feel like personally that, like I said, gives me control. At first, I never wanted to talk about it because I felt shame. I felt embarrassed. It was kind of dark. Like it's weird when I wasn't doing comedy, kind of felt lost in the way. Comedians Exposed, a podcast where comedians talk about vulnerability with your host, Deanna Kobe. today for tuning into Comedians Exposed. I am so excited for this very special episode. Before I introduce our guest, I want to introduce my co-host for today's episode, AJ Sherman. Many of you guys will remember AJ from his popular episode, which was a blast for me to record. He is uh, the co-host of the Long Lost Heroes podcast. In addition to being a guest, he has been a huge contributor to the cost of this project as a $10 per month patron. And yeah, I cannot express my gratitude. Honestly, without this and the patrons, I don't know how this project would still be going on. So like I said, I really wanted to thank AJ and I'm so excited that he said yes to co-host this episode. So please, 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 welcome the wonderful AJ Sherman as co-host today on Comedians Exposed. Welcome, AJ. Hello. So happy to be here. Thank you so much. Uh, I think this is a a great podcast. Uh, It's been great to follow along. And yeah, I think this is going to be a really fun episode today. So today's guest is someone who's carved out a place for himself in the Jersey City comedy scene. He runs shows at Abbey's, Journal Score Lounge, The Barge and McGinley's, Bellow Bar, O'Leary's Public House. He hosts a YouTube talk show, Keeping the Pulse on Issues That Matter. And he's regarded as helpful and supportive by his comedy peers. Please welcome Irv Hernandez. Hey. Yay, Irv. <laughs> hey, Irv. Hey, what's up, guys? What's going on? How are you today? It's so good to have you. I'm doing good. I'm pretty chilling. Not much. It's a lazy Sunday for me. Yeah, that's Thanks good. Relaxing. Yeah. How about you guys? What are you guys doing? Uh, the exact same thing. Have you guys uh, been doing any comedy? Yeah, just uh, just a Bella Bar as for now. That's Looks awesome. Good. You have another one coming up too, right? Yeah. When is that, Earth? Uh I believe so. Jan 5th. Can you do me a favor and tell everybody where we could find you on social media? Oh, okay. So you can find me on Instagram as uh, IRV03. That's me on Instagram and on Facebook. You can get me on uh, Irv Hernandez Dis, D-I-S. People really? guess my last name, but it's not. No, no, the whole Dis thing is just like a it's like a running joke that I've had for years. You know how like you got Facebook, never gave us a dislike button? So like <laughs> five years ago, there was a certain way where you get notification. It'll say, Irv Hernandez dislike your post. <laughs> okay, yes. <gasps> they, wait, on Facebook, they used to have dis... They would tell people if you dislike their post? No, He's no, no, saying no, no. like, oh. remember like when you would post it, it would be like, you know, AJ Sherman is like, I have a thousand of those. They come up in my Facebook memories too. So he, in order to skirt the system, Irv Hernandez this, and then when it, when you got the notification, if he liked your picture, Irv Hernandez disliked your picture, which is okay. That, that in and of itself is pretty genius. That was so long ago. I was like 20. 
I was like 20 years old when I did that. So when did you get started in comedy? Started, uh, I think it was around March 2018. Yeah. Like I officially started doing it. Because I've done like two mics before March and I bombed really bad. And I was like, I can't do that. That, that. that was brutal. And then I gave it like five months later and then I started doing it consistently. So I started around March and uh, has been fun for the most part. Beginning was really hard open mics and you don't know how to work a crowd and all that what got you into it what made you get started what got me into comedy was very interesting actually i used what actually started was me and my brother used to like drink and smoke and hang out and just start shit talking about shit activities that we will get like trouble we'll get into and we used to just laugh extremely extremely like so so hard laughing and uh, we were like, yo, you got to try comedy. You got to do it. You got to at least give it a shot. And uh, I gave it a shot. And now I'm here. That's my brother kind of okay. talked, he talked me into it. And now I'm in this mess. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask, because uh, one thing, and I'm not, you know, I'm really trying hard with, as I'm like talking with people, not to assume their experiences. But, you know, one thing Art, I found really interesting was how, you know, you said you started in 2018 and just you kind of exploded in production with the amount of shows, you know, you really, really, really were like off and running on the grind. Mm -hmm. So I was wondering, did you get any heat or negativity or was it positive? Again, like, because it was pretty, in my opinion, just watching it, you know, it was like watching a meteor. You're just like, okay, here's Irv. And then all of a sudden it's like, there's Irv. It was like, if you were a mob boss running a crime family, you'd be like, you got, you got the market cornered. <laughs> it actually, it's funny because it, it started kind of snowballed in a way. It started was, I was just doing open mics, you know, I was just trying to have a five and try to do guest spots on shows. And uh, this one bar, saw me perform at Abby's and one of the people that they like they, I had a friend that knew a friend there and they vouched for me and I got that PJ Ryan show. Remember that PJ Ryan? Yeah PJ yes. Uh, yes, AJ does I, I see the eyebrows. Brutal. <laughs> That's where I kind of started it and I realized like I felt like I learned so much hosting a show, producing a show and I was like I gotta keep this consistent. I got to keep this consistent and uh, just been like that for a while. And then I got JSQ Lounge. They were like, but they were doing PJ Rides. JSQ Lounge picked up and then other bars. I started reaching out to bars. Some bars were interested. Some bars were not. Then my job hooked me up with comedy shows for the residential buildings, which was also great. I don't know. I honestly think I just think I got lucky. Do you think it's luck or do you think you really hustled? Yeah, I guess you could say I hustled, but it just things kind of fell. I guess I kept like just hitting the wall in a way and just things start falling my 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 way i guess i'm getting a lot of stage time off of it so i'm always appreciated did you get any shit from because i feel like in the comedy scene and you guys maybe i'm wrong okay i could this just could be my interpretation because i'm a bitter old true but i feel like there's <laughs> a lot of like little angry bitches in comedy did you feel any of that coming back to oh, you I that a lot a lot, a lot of it was weird. I just felt like people started like, like I felt a lot of hate for no reason. I'm like, why are you guys hating on me? Like, I hear things and it kind of sucks because you look up to these people, you know what I mean? You you work with these people and I got a little bit of it, I'll say it in the beginning. Now I'm kind of already used to it. People that I don't even know, people that don't even know me, I guess badmouth me in a way, I guess. They're like, oh, he doesn't deserve to be a comic. 
he's not even three years in yet. You know what I mean? Stuff like that. But I don't know. It's weird. Where do you think that comes from? Maybe, I don't know. I mean, is it jealousy? Is it maybe seeing someone in the same level as them getting more stage time in a way? I don't, I don't know. Some people are very supportive, though. Some people have been extremely supportive, which, I'm, which I really appreciate. What I try to focus more on. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, I was like, oh, no, these people hate me. These people, these, these, all these comics. It wasn't a lot, but it was just a handful of people that just didn't like me for whatever reason. And at the beginning, I phased it, but now I don't really phase it anymore. I definitely think, like, there's definitely, you know, the balance in comedy. For every negative person, there's definitely somebody super awesome and supportive. Like, both of you guys are really just very supportive and i just feel like really encouraging and push everybody forward well yeah I, I think that's we live in a time where we are so separated from everyone it's hard not to be all up in your feelings and i think that it does take a good deal of discipline to you know really look to find the light all the time and i think that you know that's something that when you when you strive for it it, it helps and i'm just thankful that throughout you know, kind of watching like Irv is my first comedy friend. He was my the first buddy I ever made out in the in the thing. And it was just like, I don't know, it's like a camaraderie and, and it, it always, you know, feels good. And I think we, you know, have existed in a really great space that was booming for such a long time. I think when they rewrite, you know, the comedy, you know, history books, like we were living in the second comedy boom. Like there's no doubt about that. The 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 expansion the rise of the podcast, alternative comedy rooms, all of that stuff, all of that combined was like the height of what the, the you know second or third wave. Yeah, I hope that together we can kind of you know lift each other up through this crisis and and kind of just like you know get through to the end because we're so fucking close to you know beginning to return to kind of you know what the future will be like. The existence now, I, I think, and I would love to ask Irv, do you think like? the COVID existence is conducive to comedy clubs and comedy out in the, in the world right now. Is that, is it all gelling in your experience? Like there exists comedy right now, like out in, they're doing it in subway cars. You're doing it in, in Hoboken. Like you can go out and go, you can go out and go and do it. Like for you, like, how does that feel? Like, do you feel like you have to get out there and do this? Like, this is just like your existence or is it, is it a struggle? Like you're saying that if I have to, like, do I have to go out and do it during these times? Well, saying like, are you finding like, like you're doing really awesome. I'm not like, I'm not trying to take away from that. All I'm saying is like, is it hard for you with COVID or are you like, are you finding like, it's like, are there like difficulties like you can share with like, trying to connect like doing it now like or do you feel like i don't know I don't like know. this crisis kinda, kinda, and people's tension are like adding to their want to go out and need this release ah uh, yeah i don't know man uh covid shit going on with comedy i don't know sometimes sometimes they do feel guilty and i feel it most when like comics will bail oh it's an indoor show i feel i don't feel safe i don't feel indoors and it kind of reminds me like shit i'm out here doing this maybe it's not the best idea to do indoor shows but i don't know man i, just, I feel like Gotta, I, I personally feel like I just gotta keep doing it because if not, yeah. I just, I just, I just feel like, like it's weird when I wasn't doing comedy, I just kind of felt lost in a way. I kind of felt yeah. like, what, what am I gonna do? What, what, what I do? I don't, I don't do anything else. Well, I mean, I do other things, but like as, as what I really take pride in, I take pride in my, my comedy. Anything else? Well, I can take pride in what playing video games or sleeping or something. Comedy is something that I really, really, really just gets me up, gets me pumping. Yeah. Gets me, gets me rolling. And I was like, all right, fuck it. Let's just keep doing it. I think AJ, that's an awesome question because 
I know for myself, like that's been kind of like this struggle of, because, and I know, I don't want to sound trite. The whole thing that COVID kind of puts at the forefront is that life is short and death is everywhere. I feel sometimes like for me as a comedian, like I really, that's such a great sense of joy and existence and makes me feel alive. Yeah. I, I'm excited for it. I'm excited for it to come back in, in the full force and, and like to see all the things and, and everyone's projects and like how resourceful we've all got this podcast, the many podcasts that have, you know, started like all the new projects, like it, it's, I think it's going to lead to ultimately, you know, you know, really beautiful and exciting material and content for years. You know, yeah. they had the Spanish flu and then they had the roaring twenties. Like <laughs> hopefully we can capture a little bit more of that energy and be a little more creative than like the Charleston, which in and of itself yeah. is a pretty amazing thing. You know, like yeah, they were wild. They were, you know, getting crazy in those struggle buggies. You know, I've been thinking about like one of the projects like I'm, I'm working on is like the idea of like all the super spreader events. Like we, I used to love going to going and being at a, you know, a hundred thousand person festival or when I used to, you know, work in Times Square. Like I'm, I guess I'm a little bit more removed from it because I have, I've really stopped um, only because you know moving in and moving out of the you know two different places so or, yeah because i feel like that's another area too because i feel like you had said like a little bit like you felt guilty sometimes at times i do feel guilty but also too there's some there's like a need like i feel like that's where part of why i like kind of thinking about this is because it dives into the complexity of people okay you can feel guilty while simultaneously also fulfilling a need that you have so what do you can you talk about the need that you have you know i don't want to talk about the guilt because we're going to talk about that crap later <laughs> let's talk about the need why do you do it oh i just i don't know since, since i got into it and i dedicated most of my time to comedy i was like fuck it my sister caught covid my brother-in-law caught covid my mom caught covid they all kind of lost their sense and taste and they were fine and uh i'm like right, i'll probably risk it you know i'll take a chance i get covid yeah you know I, I love comedy too much not to do it because i felt like i don't know i felt just so lost when the whole fucking quarantine shutdown happened and there was no comedy for like weeks Ooh, the zoom shows if i feel like if i could enjoy zoom shows i probably won't be so out there but because right. i just can't zoom shows are just hard for me i've done some yeah. and they're just hard for me i just it's hard for me to enjoy them that's the problem and you I don't find the do same it. level of enjoyment even no, if you can no, see that you're getting some no. nods and laughs yeah it's just, i just this doesn't feel it doesn't feel I like communicating. That's the thing that's what I like most about comedy. It's just talking to people and communicating with them and trying to get a point across to them while they laugh and agree with it, which I really like. And through Zoom, I'm technically doing the same, but it just doesn't feel. You know what trips me out on the Zoom stuff is when you're doing your set and you're like in the zone and all of a sudden you'll catch yourself on the screen and it's like, oh, oh that pulls me out of it. So, and then I'm like looking at my face. I'm like, oh my God, my teeth are so big. Oh my, you know, and then I get into <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's really hard to be like, nope, stay in it. You know what I yeah. mean? So where it's like put a little tape, little yeah. tape in the corner or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, walk myself out. <laughs> but what about like that for you? Like when you're performing, are you really present on stage or is it a blur? I don't know. It has been a roller coaster. It has been a roller coaster, honestly. There has been days where like there's been days where like I just in the moment and I'm having good sets. And then sometimes I psych myself out. 
and you can tell on stage that I'm just a little different. I'm a little off, I'm a little weird. And I'm bombing. And I feel like that I can psych myself out sometimes while I'm doing that. Or does it like happen like a blur? Like you get on stage and then you're off and you're like, what the fuck did I say? I feel like if I know my set and it's memorized and I'm doing just jokes that I know that I've done more than fucking 20 times on stage and I'm doing a good set and all the jokes are hitting, it becomes blurry. It becomes just like euphoric. But if I'm bombing, then yeah, you get to see it. You're like, oh, she's in my brain. I'm not in the moment I'm trying to fucking scramble for whatever, whatever crowd work, this joke, whatever, whatever scramble. You just guys see me bomb. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you do like to stop the bomb? I tried to stop bombing and I feel like as I got progressed, I don't bomb as much as I used to. But I kind of embrace it in a way. I take advantage. Like, all right, look, bombing is just part of it. Bombing, you hear the top of the comics. The comics that I look up to, they'll tell you. Yeah, bombing is just part of it. I've seen comics that I extremely look up to just bomb. And it makes me feel okay. Like, all right, if I look up to those people and they're bombing, it's, it's okay if I bomb. You know what I mean? Just make sure not try to bomb all the time. But sometimes bombing can be good, too, because you're experimenting something. And you're trying something out. And you learn from it. But sometimes you also don't get booked again. It's a double-edged sword in a way. Where would you want to live? Because I feel like sometimes, like you said, like it's really hard to experiment without being willing to bomb. Especially to the more volatile the topic is. Like, ooh, Lord, if you're going to really make somebody's butthole clench up, you're going to be prepared to eat a lot of dicks. So where do you yeah. feel you are the most comfortable? Like in you know, experimenting or do you tend to stick with things that you kind of know and just build on that? I just, I go, I go on my guts, man. You know what I mean? I, I try to go on my guts. I try to be what's true to me. I heard a comedian in a podcast a year ago say, I think, it was, I think it was Chase or Chad Daniels talks about it. And it's something that always sticks to my mind was that for me to give the audience members the best of my ability, I have to be honest. I have to be myself. I have to be who I am even if they like me or don't, even if you know, they love me or they hate me, and that they, they at least got the real version of it. And I feel like if you stick true to your guns and you just try to be who you are on stage, I think your, your, your message will get across. What do you guys, what are you, what are you guys? I definitely, I mean, it's interesting because I feel like there's so many places people could be. Like, personally, I like living in this place of, like you said, like just giving them your authentic, honest self. For me, I feel like that's when I've had the most fun in comedy, but then you can also kind of use these characters, you know, which for some people have seemed like a level of protection. Like I know, AJ, I think too, you had talked about, you know, again, doing musical comedy, how like that kind of just like, is like a different level again of just like, who are you and how, how much of yourself are you going to be for the audience? Yeah, I strive to really connect personally to get across as much of me as I can. But I also feel as if sometimes it, I don't know if I can do that all the time. I think it has to be supplemented in my material with subjects and other, you know, musings that are not necessarily a really deeper inner thought or inner truth. It's harder for me, I think, to connect with you know, that material. And I think I have a lot more leeway doing songs to kind of play around in different areas, you know, like writing a song about like, you know, robbing a bank is like definitely different than like who I am in my like everyday existence. And to like use the different slang that I do is like to 
you know, kind of paint a different picture of a, of a different idea that I, I like, I want to play around in. What about you, Irv? Like, what are some of the things that you joke about? Like if you said, okay, these are my topics or, you know, how a lot of times like they'll write descriptors of comedians, what would be the things like, oh, I'm an observational comic or, you know, what, what are you focusing on? What are you trying to create? Oh, uh, honestly, I don't know how to answer that question. I feel like I'm all over the place. I feel like maybe now I'm talking more about like my personal like life, my mother, my grandma, my dad, all that stuff. I feel like I'm talking about it now, but catch me a year ago, it was kind of more of like darker stuff in a way. But uh, stuff that I like to talk about, I like to talk about by uh, my dad. I don't know if you guys heard that bit about my dad being a drug dealer when I was a child. Yes. That was... Uh, crazy time you do good relationships you talk about your relationships with different people in the world right yeah there it goes pretty much uh, that was that was weird growing up talk about how i won a wheelchair friend so bad quest no luck recently (laughs) (laughs) stuff that happens in my life like i got jumped in jersey city downtown jersey city like a year ago that was that was fun oh my god so a lot of your stuff is coming from truthful experiences yeah, yeah, I feel like I realized that my funniest moments off stage is when I'm just rambling about something that just fucked with me a little bit, you know? Or like getting jumped. When I got jumped the next day, I I, I started telling the story to my friends and they were all just dying laughing. I was like, all right, I guess that's from the funniest in my point of view. So I try to bring that on stage and talk about stuff like that. Why do you think it's different. important to bring that stuff to the stage? I don't know. It's interesting because I honestly really wanted to be a joke writer. I I, I want to be a joke writer. I want to be like a Dimitri Martin, a uh, just like a really good joke writer. But I don't feel like that's me. I don't feel like that's my funniest. I feel like oh, I I guess I'm not. I guess I'm just. A, I guess I'm going more on the story. I'm trying to be more story. Try to talk about me like like my dad. You know, dating, facial hair, whatever. You know, stuff that's like to me. But in the beginning, or like, like I wish I could be that sometimes. I wish I could be one of those joke writers like Anthony Jeffsonick. Well, you don't know nothing about Anthony Jeffsonick. Right. When you leave the show, I try. I wanted to be that in the beginning, but I just feel like, up. Oh, I gotta, I gotta be, I gotta be. A, I feel like I gotta be a story guy. Why do you? Do, why do you yeah. feel that way? Is it because it feels better performing, or does it feel more natural writing? That it's just more natural writing, and I feel like looking back. Most of my laughs will come from my emotional buildup. And uh, we'll just write with that for now on, on stage. As the years progress, I could probably change. I don't know. I, I don't know my voice. I haven't, I don't even know, not even close. Hopefully, hopefully. Do you think that's also something I kind of wonder, you know, because like, again, you brought up someone like Anthony Jeselnik, who you don't necessarily, I, you know, you wouldn't necessarily think you know him. You know, he's writing these you know, very, a lot of times provocative jokes. And that's, again, that's where his lane is, is like, I'm just writing these jokes. So thinking about this definition of finding your voice, do you think that could, that someone ever will find their voice? Like you think, especially too, if you're doing comedy and you're in comedy for the long haul, do you think the evolution of your life is going to impact how you perform? I think so. When you see when people, like when comedians become parents, their, their personality on stage changes. You ever hear that? You ever hear the story? You ever hear this, this quote that sometimes comics will say that uh, once a comic becomes a parent, their comedy career dies in a way. You ever hear that? Why do you, why do you think that is out there as an idea? Well, I don't know. I feel like as comedians, we get to be like a little bit evil. 
I feel like that's sometimes where the funny comes from. And if you become a dad or a parent, some people kind of lose it. Like I had a friend. We used to have like dark sense of humor together. And once he became kind of a parent, he's more like sensitive towards like, dude, don't say rape jokes. So don't say pedophile jokes. You know, I'm a dad now. You know, like, oh, AJ, okay. you're nodding. Do you think so? Or do you not see that? No, I don't see that at all. Yeah. I don't know. I hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I think about like, I know it's, you know, sacrilegious, but like I, I loved that Louis special Shameless where he's talking about his kids like those those specials, yeah. I think, like really drew everyone in, drew me in. And, and like it's that level of connection and, and relatability that everyone has those, you know, a lot of people have those experiences and can relate that kids are funny and stupid and gross. And I hope that, okay, so let's get back to Irv and like your relationships and, and like the stories. Like, have you ever had like a, something happen to you that was like so, so, so funny, but it was so, so, so dark or so beyond that you didn't think it would work? Or have you always tried it? I always tried it. I always tried it, honestly. Like sometimes I say some dark show stage. Like I uh, talk about like when I was a child, uh, I used to live in a neighborhood, I used to live in like, Philly, and every corner, it was consistent too. You see like people with like little candles on corners and uh, it was like a 14 year old kid got murdered and uh, people were selling drugs all over my neighborhood. And at first I never wanted to talk about it because I felt shame, I felt a little embarrassed. It was kind of dark to grow up with a dad that was kind of a drug dealer and your house is full of drug addicts. and and, and just people who probably shouldn't be around kids, you know? And yeah. you see wild shit, man. You see, like, I remember once I saw a, uh, one of the drug addicts throw up blood all over. Just threw up so much blood. Mm. And it was just a crazy experience. I was, like, probably, like, nine, eight years old. Oh, my God. He used to live across the street from us. Blood all over his house. I saw my dad shoot somebody. Yeah. Somebody, yeah, he shot somebody in the hand. Wild shit, man. Neighbors fucking getting shot and murdered. It was wild, and I talk about it on stage, and I try to find, like, I try to find the dark, I try to find the light in the darkness, make those dark times more, and, like, I have more control of those dark times, because you know, as an adult now, you realize, like, well, that was probably wasn't the best idea mm-hmm. to raise kids around their neighborhood, but uh, I try to talk about that dark stuff on stage. I also... I try to talk about my brother once on stage, but uh, it just doesn't, doesn't I don't feel like I'm ready for that. I don't, I haven't touched that yet really on stage. How much do you feel is comedy then solely just for your own self and your own healing? 50-50 in a way. I feel like, it's like therapy in a way go up there. You're talking about something and you're controlling it in your own way. Mm-hmm. But then also, it's just also going up there and talking about the fucking big jokes and shit. You know what I mean? Being a silly goose up there too, you know. Yeah. So it's like 50-50. Yeah. I think. And some comics are more open about their life experiences. They talk about their, their mom dying or their mom committing suicide. And then you have other comics that do a whole hour special and fucking cubes. You know what I mean? Which is entertaining as well, but it's interesting. I I, I think it's 50-50. Where do you prefer then comedy? Do you feel do you prefer comedy that lies? in being just fundamentally funny or fundamentally interesting? Funny. I think funny is more important than interesting. 
Because if you want to find something interesting, go to a TED Talk. You know what I mean? <laughs> you have so much shit to find on a TED Talk. That's extremely interesting. You know what I mean? But uh, with comedy, be funny first and then be interesting, I believe. What, what do you think? I don't know. It's, I feel like it's so complicated because there's so many, like, you know, again, things that you can be on stage. Like, first off, what do you want to talk about? Like, you can go up there and, again, talk about something like how you had said your friend who, once he became a parent, was like, don't talk about rape jokes. Or you can go up there, and that's really hard to make, obviously, something like that funny. So, or if you just want to go up there and be funny, you could go up and make, let's do the, like, fart noises and, like, lots of different, you know what I mean? And just do that for, like, an hour, and people could find that funny. But it's, like, is, what purpose are, I guess, why, what's the purpose of why you're on stage? Some people might just want the laughs. Some people want to get a bigger message out there. Some people want to do it for their own healing. I think it's, like, so individualized. So, where do you think it is for you? Oh, I, I like talking about my life. I like talking about my experiences. I, I, I like being open about that. Mm-hmm. I feel like personally that, like I said, it gives me control emotionally of the situation that happened. You know, you know, like uh, here's an example. I, I, I talked about it on stage. Uh, I went on a date with this girl and I drop her off home. And then I go for the kiss. The old school tradition style. And she pushes away and she says, oh, God, no. And I talk about it on stage and it, it hits. It does very well. And I, and I love that feeling. Yeah. And at first I was like, ah, oh, fuck, I hate, I hate that that happened. Now I kind of, I'm happy that it happened because I enjoy the laughs out of that situation. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's funny. a lot of comedy is like our, our, like our worst moments can sometimes be the comedy gold. Yeah, yeah. You get you guys ever find yourself in a situation where you're like, I should leave, but you stay a little longer. Yes. Just to see if you can find something funny in that. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. I really like engaging with strangers too. I try like, especially like if you're somewhere like I remember I was like right when the pandemic hit online with like at the liquor store outside and this guy engages me and he starts like talking like you know like corona china virus and i feel like those are the people like to even though i don't want to talk and hear your stupid thoughts there's comedy gold at the end of this conversation so i'm gonna oh, yeah, hang yeah, in yeah. there yeah. well you know and you know what you brought up to i'm so happy because before you had said how you kind of felt shame you know from your childhood like just certain experiences so you guys i know you, i talked about this whole project talks about looking at comedy from the other side of the last and where we as comedians are willing to kind of like put ourselves out there and talk about the shit that we are embarrassed as fuck about or ashamed as fuck about. And I wanted to talk about what is your ideas of shame? What is shameful for you? Do you have any shameful stories? So let's just dive right on into chapter one, shame. Ah, shame. Okay. So any shameful topics that I talk about I, I talk about my weight on stage. I talk about my unconnected beard. <laughs> nothing here. Uh, but a shameful topic that I have on stage that I don't like talking about, that's true to me, that I, it was hard for me to talk about, 
was when I smoke weed, I just get extremely antisocial and I get anxiety <laughs> and then I have to go use the bathroom. This is like my body is like, dude, go use the bathroom. It's so annoying. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You gotta like, I just want to chill there and smoke with my friends and not just relax, you know? Nah, but my body's like, nope, go find go find the bathroom, you know. <laughs> Are you normally an introvert or an extrovert, Irv? Oh, I'm ex- I'm ex- I'm very ext- I'm extremely introverted person, but yeah. uh, I learned over the years to be social. If you met me like when I'm 23, <laughs> it would have been a whole mess. Yeah. This conversation would have been very, very, very dull. <laughs> or, what about yes, you? No. I mean, AJ, are you an introvert or an extrovert? What- I think I think I'm kind of I think I can kind of be both. I want to be extroverted, you know, when I want to be extroverted and I want to be introverted when I want to be, you know, quiet and chill and and contemplative, contemplative. I like to, you know, really spend time and think about new stuff and, and try to just be like in that moment and. And I do take this like very seriously. Something I've been like thinking about is like, like, yes, like I do this to like not be so serious and to take it's kind of like all of it is kind of like the the thought, like I take everything so seriously that like in and of itself, this is so silly that like you can't take it. Like it's the whole idea. You know what I mean? Like I'm such a serious person in real life. Um, but like, this is my way to be silly and kind of like get that, you know, side of me out. And it's, and it's super fun. And again, it's a lot of what Irv was saying a lot about like the control, like I've um, you know, and I, and I also have assistants. Like I've been playing, you know, guitar and music since I was 15. Like I, I really like to do it. So like I was playing in front of people and, and learning how to do that. And, you know, it all helps. And it is like a shield. Like it does like, you know, give me a little bit of protection, but like I can get too cocky sometimes and like I can get lost in the sauce and then I'm like, I, it's over and like I miss it or I mess it up. And and that, that's why, like, the simpler stuff, there was a show that Irv had done at Journal Square Lounge in the summer that was just, like, super-duper fun for me. Oh, the alley? Yeah. Dude, that that's was great. awesome. And, I, you know, I think people were just so excited to hear, you know, live music and, and be out. And, like, it was it was fun. Um, and, and, yeah, like, I like that connection that, like, I can connect through the music. And, like, fundamentally... Music is, you know, one of the greatest, you know, languages in the world. It's math, but it's also heart and soul and love. And like, that's the, you know, the thing I want to do is bring people together along the journey with me. And something that I feel like tremendous shame about and like the the best way that I can describe it through what, what I've done is like the bald song for me. Like when I was, you know, in my early 20s, like I went bald super duper young. It started to happen because I was living abroad and the water was super hard. So I would like take showers and there was clumps of my hair that were coming out. So for years I just wore hats and like, there's like so many photos of me and just all different color hats that I had. And now they all don't fit me anymore. Cause when you go totally bald, what they don't tell you is like the shape of your head shifts. It like changes around. So like none of like my hats fit at all. (laughs) <laughs> or maybe I just got fatter. I don't know. Either way, I felt super duper shameful about it all the time. And I thought that like I always talked about it or always joked about it. And I always made it like way bigger than it ever had to be because it's really in the greater scheme of things like in today's times, like if I was living when in the 70s when you had to grow it out still, like that would have been a way bigger bummer than like now where it's oh, fashionable yeah. to just shave it off. 
Yeah. I don't know. I had a lot of built up, you know, shame and angst and like mm-hmm. definitely was a reason why I wouldn't have gone out and, and tried it. And, and then once I kind of got really comfortable doing it and I had wrote a few comedy songs like and starting to dig down into personal stuff. You know, I had always had that chord progression for years and I loved it. And then, you know, kind of just magic happens and, and the ideas come together. Mm-hmm. And then you have, you know, something that I'm tremendously shameful about, but in a similar way with Irv, where you kind of take it back, you kind of reown yeah. that guilt, that guilty part that you've been beating yourself up about, like you get to then reverse it, you know? Yeah. No, that's definitely like, that's more like I kind of wanted to like focus on because I feel something for really powerful could kind of like you said, like reclaim that stuff, but it's a really awkward place to live. And it's really awkward for comedy. Like, especially I feel like the more of yourself you're putting out there, the, for me, the more polar the experience is. Like if I bomb, like bombing is like that much more sometimes. I mean, maybe it'll level out the more I do the material, but like, I think you guys both heard that Jordan bit I've been working on, which I'm so ashamed of because it's, it's like, really, I, like it. I, like that. I appreciate that you like it, but like, it's so embarrassing, like to be such a drunken idiot. And then on top of that, you know, like being this white lady, Karen, it's like, Ugh, you know, <laughs> I'm hoping yeah. I can get through that, this, like release that shame. Like, cause what good is it going to do? Totally. The, I think you, there's a certain amount, there's a spectrum to how much you can get out of the self-deprecation of your own shamefulness. You know what I mean? At a certain point, like it loses its funny and it becomes like internalized problems and you can kind of like see it on the the person and you're like, oh, like we've crossed the line here. You know (laughs) what I mean? Uh, Whereas like if you can kind of, you know, stay in a, well, I, and maybe this is just coming from me and, and Irv can say it a little bit in a different way, but like, if you don't, for me, it's like, if you cross that line of like being too, I guess, self angry, then like I lose the ability to like, you know, see the, the connection. Cause I think we all get by on like the, the ubiquitousness, like how, how constant it is to feel guilty or bad or, you know, like, Oh, ooh, gross, icky feeling. But you know, like, you don't want to like be like raging against yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. That's a heady thought. Did you guys watch soul? That's like a great movie. You're the second person in the last 24 hours. Yeah. That said it's so good. It was, you know, it was really cool. It was uh, the big message of the movie. I'm not going to spoil anything is like the difference between your spark and your purpose. Ah, and like, I think that's a really cool idea and like something that like, I definitely always again need to be told, you know, different things by these Disney producers but yeah like holy shit like what a thought you know and it it, it, again it like relies a lot on nuance like i think there's a lot to like talk about here i don't think this movie is for kids either Irv, what's your spark and what's your purpose my spark with comedy like i guess yeah comedy or life i don't know like maybe do you consider them um separate or do you consider like comedy and life interchangeable like could you live well the spark is the constant high of me trying to achieve that laugh that's the one gets me and then my purpose is just be a comedian be a full-time comedian man yeah a uh, little long story here uh, a couple of years back i gave kind of i kind of gave my my word to my brother that 
I'll become a comedian. You really want to be become a comedian, and uh, I'm here, and I'm gonna do it all the way. So that's my purpose. That's my purpose doing comedy. Hell yeah! Every single day I think about it. it just wakes me up. I'm like, all right, go write her, go do a show, go do something, go look, go look for stage time. It's honestly one of the what really motivates me. What really gets me going. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that, Herb. And like thinking about all of these guys, I wanted to just talk too because you know there's a generational difference and I'm trying again, like I feel like with some of this podcast, I'm not necessarily trying to approach people's identities, but I just wanted to talk about shame because I did not grow up with any social media. Like I didn't have an email address till I was in college. So okay, yes. I'm really disconnected from, so I feel like shame was much more intensive in part of our narrative, but I was kind of fascinated when AJ brought up about how this idea of shame is necessary. And then if I wanted to think about where do you fall? Like where, which place does shame serve in our society guys? Oof. I'm going to, I'll start Irv Cause I'll think I'll get you kind of like where I'm, where I'm at. Cause I, I don't want to, it's like a really specific idea. So like the idea is like, I don't know. Like we all used to have, I guess, certain, you know, unwritten rules of societal living that you just like wouldn't cross. And like, I think like a good example would be like the Karen people, you know, like the the depiction of these people who, you know, shamelessly will call the police on people they don't know are committing crimes. They're not officers of the law. They don't, they're not lawyers. And they're just like calling out, you know, these people shamelessly kind of revealing their racism. You know what I mean? You know, another thing I would, I would think would be like, like the way people interact with, you know, different uh, service staff and, you know, not being nice to, you know, your waiters, waitresses, and people who take care of you. And like, I think that people are much more apt to kind of just be shittier now. And like every state has all these different rules. So people may be traveling and they're not as, you know, welcoming or as friendly or as, ready to have that conversation. I think that's, you know, part of, you know, why, you know, New Yorkers maybe get a bad rap, but mine is more specifically like around, um, we used to just not say the quiet thing out loud that if there was a situation where we were all supposed to kind of be getting along and moving together in a certain way, I think that people are more interested to upset like the flow of a comedy show or a discussion or a Zoom meeting to get their point across shamelessly without kind of thinking about, you know, what may be happening like in front of them. That like we've kind of like lost that a little bit. I think that comes from kind of the internet because you you don't have to feel bad about tweeting at somebody you can't see. And it, you know, you're gonna be just saying these horrible things. Doesn't matter. I'm not gonna meet them, they're not gonna see me, we're never gonna interact. What what do you think about that, Irv? You're being anonymous. Well, I think it's interesting. I think it's, uh, you guys are right. I feel like back in the day, shame was shame. I mean, you did something embarrassing, your whole school knew about it. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel like today's world, we see embarrassing things on the internet almost every day. If you open up TikTok, you'll see strangers doing the most stupidest shit. You'll see, you'll hear stories because social media is like, it's extreme now. Everyone, in the palm of your hand, you could just fucking get a lot of information off other people and just find out things about the person. So I feel like people's shame is much more open nowadays than back in the day. So mm-hmm. I think people have a thicker skin towards shame a little bit due to social media. Oh, really? That like yeah. because you're online already, 
you have to be kind of that's that's the cost of doing business. Like you have to be prepared to handle. Way, I, I, I think so. I feel like social media puts what experiences in a very tangible way, whereas like. You know, for example, like the shame someone would have, like, say, for example, someone did something stupid and tripped on it. You know, you see it. OK, everybody else owns the shame, but now you control what could be potentially out there and yeah. it becomes much more concrete. I found it interesting, though, guys, that both of you initially, when we started talking about shame, Irv, you initially kind of brought up this idea of your weight. AJ was talking about losing his hair, which I found so fascinating because those are biological. I find it so, that's where it's like, I feel like shame is such a dangerous, but it, like you said, it can be necessary because it's like, you want to be ashamed of something you did. Who? Oh, someone said something today I thought was so good about how shame helps keep your ego in check. Yes, Ooh, that's true. But then also, like, again, it could be brandished as a weapon because, like, again, you guys in, um, are using, talking about the shame you feel over, like, images that are socially constructed over, you know what I mean? Like, this identity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. To me, it was just like, you know, going back to the old chrome domius uh it's uh you know when i like it goes it goes deep for me because like when i was a kid like i really had like frizzy brillowy shitty hair and everybody i knew had like cool hair and i played guitar and i desperately wanted to have cool hair and play guitar which you not everybody really can do and fuck like i hated i felt like i hated it out of existence you know what i mean like i was like shit like I hated my hair away. Like it said, like, fuck you. Like, we don't want to be here. Either. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, I don't know. Like, I, I hope that I, I understand the idea that you, you want to be more open and we want to feel that we can use, you know, the our insecurities to our strengths all the time. But I, again, like, like kind of what I was saying before, like, I think that's kind of a spectrum where like, if it goes too far in the way of like being, too self-deprecating that it's self-anger and self-hatred mm -hmm. like you can see that and you can smell that yeah. and and it and it definitely feels like oh like it's, it's like just like deanna said like in my head like now i'm like it's not that serious boo-boo <laughs> like you know what i mean like mm -hmm. like you can kind of like take it take that step back and i hope that the way the speed at which social media acts now i think will bring shame back a little bit my first thing was myspace and then like really was like the peak of Facebook for the whole ride and then got into, you know, the, you know, doing events, which you do use a lot of the Facebook in backend and internal structure to target people and stuff. When we were doing that, Facebook is like a corporate, you know, entity of myself. I try to be more creative on other stuff, but like, they're all different like channels of stuff. And this class I took this year, uh, talked a lot about multi-homing is the concept of like why would like somebody go to your instagram and your youtube why would they go to different places and like to have different things there that's something i you know totally have shame about like i'm i'm looking at my stuff i'm trying to track it i'm trying to make it better i'm trying to improve it you know i'm trying to use the tools i have mm -hmm. you know but like that's it's not weird though it's like you said you have shame about it but you're just trying to make yourself better so it's right weird. totally yeah did you guys get any of that uh when you started doing comedy and did you get any people in your life kind of like any shame from them about doing comedy? No. No? No? No. Did you have that, Deanna? I did. I got quite a few people that were like, you're going to do comedy. That's so mean. Eh. Yeah. It sucks. 
was it was it like when they were like when you like were like going and like first starting or like yeah it was like friends of mine like people that were like like I thought my close friends and you know what I mean like I was something like again like I and I was old as hell you guys so that's something for me is a big place of shame is being old as fuck trying comedy and like then going out and do being in mics and being at shows with all these young kids and I'm like oh hi guys hi you know it's like okay this is super shameful but i'm gonna push through it i felt like again it's like that was though their issues like i feel like shame is one of these things like it's like a balance where you have to define it on your terms and Mm -hmm. what's worth having shame and what's the message of the shame that you experience you know what i mean because we're gonna all fuck up we especially thinking about the jokes we write irv and i i know i think we both kind of dabble in having like enjoying the dark jokes and having the dark sense of humor but that also leaves us super vulnerable to say some real fucked up shit. No, I, I don't think so. I think, I, I think, I think dark humor. I think, I think it has such a bad stigma. I think just because you say something dark doesn't mean you're a bad person. But the audience right. is so quick to be like, "Oh, that's an asshole. He's a bad person." I'm like, dude, these are just just fucking stupid jokes. Right. These are jokes that I enjoy writing and people enjoy laughing at, and that's that. But you know, today's world. It's also too, I I always get frustrated because like you, we kind of all had talked about how we use this stage, like, you know, like, or you said you use it kind of as your therapy. So also it's like, if I want to work through something, like you were talking about, you know, going through these really rough experiences in your life. If you want to talk about it, who the fuck gives a shit if it's triggering for you? Why is it triggering for you? Yeah, I think people we've I think some people have equated like social interactions to kind of feeling like a chat room. Like that's why I think hecklers are so prominent, like that, like they don't think that they're not going to be heard. You know what I mean? Like they know that they're going to be, you know, adding to the chat. And, and like stirring up, you know, the whole conversation. And I was never that kind of person in like those chat rooms. Like, and I think the angle I try to come at it comedically is to, to yes. And to keep, to continue on, to keep going, to try to enhance. I hope that shame com- comes back. Yeah. I wanted to make a comeback. I, I think, you know, we're living in kind of crazy times where like it totally has gone on like vacation. Yeah, I, was- I see that ch- there's a, I know what you mean because like on TikTok, are you guys on TikTok? I, I have it to look, but I haven't yeah. really started yet. It looks very intimidating Fucking to me. Fucking weird, okay? It's like six seconds of the dumbest things you can do. Like, there was this lady, this girl, like 21 years old, TikTok famous for licking an online airplane toilet seat. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's where we need some shame. Like, bitch, you nasty. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, you're gross. That's yucky. <laughs> it's not funny. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. we're rewarding bad behavior. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah i just want to say, thank so much both of you for doing this yeah thank you for having us thank you you guys i you're again i really appreciate both of you so much you've been so helpful to me so i'm really really grateful that you continue to help me and sit down and talk to me and let me pick at your brains yes <laughs> anytime always thank you for uh, yes yes and can you guys both um aj then herb can you guys again just share out where everybody can find you on social media Happily, let's multi home. So on Instagram, AJ Don't, on YouTube, AJS11089, AJ Musical Comedy and Podcasting. And you can check out the podcast. Uh, we're taking a break for the end of the year, but uh, www.longlostheroes.net. We're available on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, everywhere uh, podcasts are found. Wonderful. And Eric, what about you? Where can we find you? 
Uh, you can find me on Instagram, IRV03, and uh, you can find me on Facebook, Irv Hernandez This. And then your YouTube video is anal bleaching racist. Yes, yes, yes. That and uh, religious figures. So which one they find offensive? That was, yeah. <laughs> Irv, that video is so fun. Irv went out and because you were in Hoboken or Jersey City. The first one was in Jersey City. The second one was in Hoboken. You want to just tell everybody a little bit real quick about the video so when they All go right, watch well, it. The first video is about me going around asking people. I really, it's kind of an interesting question because. If you see it from a point of from a PC's point of view, it's racist because you're choosing one <laughs> skin color over another. But the whole the idea was I was going around asking people, "Is it a uh, racist to you know to bleach your asshole?" In, a way, in another way, saying, "Is it racist to uh, choose lighter skin butthole than a darker skin butthole?" And people gave me mixed signals. Yeah, people I'm sure that they were did. Like, yeah, I was super racist. We're like, no, it's not racist at all. That was fun though. Oh my and god. Then <laughs> and then I also did the one on Hoboken, which I had much more fun on that one, if you guys can tell, because the first video was like, all right, I'm gonna let them do the talking. And then the second video was like, all right, let me do the talking, which I enjoyed a little bit more. Was I was just kind of going around asking people these silly from a PC's point of view on how we can get, we can find anything about any religion creature or any religion myth or whatever story, whatever. And we just try to see where the offensive is and see if we can get offended by it, you know? And uh, some people got mad. And then the bike guy, <laughs> bike guy got and so he was mad. Very nasty with you. You really, that was, he was very triggered. Oh, he wanted to argue. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to give you that, sir. I'm just going to get you angry and angrier. <laughs> and not feel the not feel that the the what he's looking for. He was looking to fight with me, try to argue with me. I was like, oh, I'm not gonna argue with you, dude. Yeah, this is what you want. It's like but the it was, it was, it was too, fun. right? They 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 were yeah, yeah. something they're seeking and be like, uh, you're not getting it from me, honey. They wanna they wanna be on top and then leave yeah. while they're on top and feel good about it. I'm like, oh, I've dealt with you assholes for so many years. I know how to work with you guys, and uh, it worked well. It was fun. But my favorite guy. In the second video, in the Hoboken video, was uh, the bald white guy with the white shirt. I don't know if you guys have seen the video recently, but we're interviewing him, and I accuse him of being racist because he was cool with the devil being red. And I'm like, don't you don't think that's offensive towards Native Americans? He was like, no. <laughs> Anyone could be red if you get a bad suntan. And I'm just fucking with him, and he's getting madder and madder and madder. And there's a scene where I don't show it in the clip, but he gets really mad and he's like, yeah, like he starts getting like tr like a Trump supporter starts being like, yeah, this is this way. And that is that way. And things should be this way. And then starts talking about gays. I was like, oh, let me not add this. Uh oh. See, shame. He didn't have any shame. Yeah. This man needs yeah, some shame. That's what it was. That's what it was. Or, 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 or was he a gift from the universe for comedy gold? I hope you guys, I hope that uh, you're well. I hope to get to see you guys soon. And again, I just want to thank you so yeah. much for being on today's episode of Comedians Exposed. Thank you yeah. for having us. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you.